So I want to start off with a, a question. The last time I, I spoke about a month ago uh, was from the first part of Second John. I talked about the way to walk. Uh, but today I want to ask who likes running or who does not like running? Or maybe you're neutral. <laughs> and uh, you can pop some uh, some thoughts in the, in the chat box there if you want to. Um, or you could unmute yourself and, and share something. Um, how you feel about running. I, uh, I know how... Uh, so, o, o gave us very quick there. Don't like! Exclamation mark. <laughs> Liesl's also very quick on the trigger. I don't! Exclamation mark. Uh, in fact, Oge wants to strengthen her point. She says, it feels like I'm going to die. Um, Penny says, I hate running. Too wobbly. Um, Richard hates it. Bill doesn't even know what running is. <laughs> uh, and Liesl agrees. Uh, it's completely unknown. Um, so, uh, is there anybody in favor of running? Please help me out here. Oh, thank you, Simon. Oh, Pat says it's energizing. Uh, so, and we already heard from Simon that he went for a bit of a run this morning. Um, now, that's very open for interpretation, what that could mean. Uh, someone in the Cronier family loves a run on the beach. Now, who is that? Is that Joe? Or uh, Tunde finds it liberating. Um, Leon says there seems to be a wide consensus here. I'm not sure if he means about his own family, but William likes running. Okay, loves walking though. Mm -hmm. And Leon says Alice also loves running. Um, so it's quite a wide variety of opinions here about running. Uh, now, whether you like physical running or you don't like physical running, Simon loves it, but wish more distance. Um, so I'm not sure what he means by that. Is it uh, you'd like to achieve more distance or? OK, anyway, he can explain that a bit later. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, I, I don't know if it's like Marmite. You either love it or you hate it. Um, EVA only likes it if she wins something for doing it. I like that. Uh, we've got some scripture, scriptures about that. Danny has a love-hate relationship with it. Simon says not far enough. Charles wants pizza at the end point. Charles, so Charles and Evia is at the same, they're on the same level. They just want some, something to run for and, uh, and go for it. Um, something, something to run towards. And uh, Simon was already going puffing, just all this, all this talking about running is already making him tired. So the Bible actually has a lot to say about running. Um, the previous time I talked, I talked about the way to walk, and uh, we looked in Second John 1, verse uh, 4 to 6, where John says uh, we need to walk in the truth, we need to walk in obedience, and we need to walk in love. So if you don't like running, then walking is great, and there's some great uh, thoughts there about how to walk. But today we are actually going to talk about the way to run as well. And luckily for those of you who don't like running, this is spiritual running. So just before, just before you think, oh, no, God, what do you expect of me here? Uh, there's no expectation of physically running here. Um, so Simon already very eloquently read our uh, scripture passage for today in, in 2 John 1, verse 7 to 13. And we're going to break it up into three pieces. Uh, the first bit there, verse 7 and 8, 
John gets straight into it um, with some very straight and direct words, but we'll, we'll return to this bit at the end when we have communion. And uh, go to verse 9. And I'll read verse 9 again, where John says, Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. Well, that's some straight talk and some severe warnings here from the Apostle of Love. Uh, John is commonly known as the Apostle of Love. And, and if you read First John, it's the, the book that's got the, the most references to love. But uh, he just goes straight. Uh, to the heart here and with some very straight talk and maybe it's an example of speaking the truth in love um, he says anyone who runs ahead does not continue and does not continue the, in the teaching of Christ does not have God so he's very clearly talking about how we should be running now there's actually lots of examples in the Bible of people who are physically running um, and maybe we can get the kids involved here if they are still around. And uh, if they are not, you can ask them, who, who in the Bible can you think of, either in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, that was, uh, that was running? You can pop it in the chat box or unmute yourself. Any thoughts? Who do you know that was running in the Bible? Jonah, yeah, any say Jonah, that's right, Jonah was running, he was running away, actually, he was trying to run away from God. Penny says Elijah did a marathon, yes, he, he just hooked up his, uh, lifted up his, what do you call it, his, uh, his cloak, and, and just ran and ran and ran, it's a bit always when I read that, it makes me think about Forrest Gump, where Elijah just ran in the strength of the Lord, like, non-stop. Uh, Emma says Moses was running. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, Moses actually ran quite a few times. The first time he changed his staff into a snake, or God changed his staff into a snake. Moses got so scared he ran away. Um, and there's other examples as well of Moses running. Anybody else that can think of someone running? So, uh, right. It's uh, I mean, there's a whole list. Um, there's some good examples. Oge says, Joseph ran away from Potiphar's wife. That's exactly right. Yeah, he ran away from temptation. There's a good lesson in that. Uh, Tunde says, David ran. Yeah, David was running. Uh, he, he ran away from Saul the night before Saul wanted to kill him. His wife came and warned him. His wife, who was Saul's daughter, came and warned him and said, David, run away because Saul's going to kill you. And, he, and that's exactly what he did. He ran away. Um, but Dave also ran towards Goliath when he was fighting him. And uh, he ran up to him and, uh, and, and threw his pebble into, into, his, uh, into his head. <coughs> Jacob, Jacob ran away from Esau. That's a great example. Yes, says Bronwyn. Um, and that's very interesting. When they reconciled, we read that Esau ran towards Jacob to give him a big hug. Uh, Penny says Peter ran to see the empty tomb. 
or was he John? Well, it was actually both Peter and John. And then John, humble person that he was, says, well, the one whom Jesus loved ran faster than Peter, and he was there first. <laughs> I always find that funny. Um, Peter and, and John having a running competition. Gehazi or Gehazi, I don't know, even know, you say, say that in English. Liesl says Gehazi, uh, Elisha's servant, ran um, when Elisha sent him. Danny says the father ran towards his son. Yes, the prodigal son, when he came back from uh, living with the pigs and, and being completely down and destitute, and he said, I want to come back to my father. His father was on the lookout for him. When he saw him from afar, he say, it says that the father ran towards him and threw his arms around him. Uh, Ovi also said that the prodigal son's father and Danny Bronner says the Israelites ran from Egypt. Yeah, we can go on and on and on. Thanks for all the contributions and um, and, uh, and, and uh, encouraging Bible knowledge. Uh, there's loads of other examples, actually, of people running in the Bible. Um, of course, what, what John talks about here when he says, if you run ahead and you don't continue in the teaching of Christ, is not that physical kind of running. It is a spiritual running. And he's talking about the spiritual race that we are, that, that we are running. And um, we're gonna, I just want to quickly mention and look at three ways not to run. And then we are going to look at three ways that we should be running. So there are, there are ways that we should not be running. Uh, he already says here, John says, well, you know, if you're running spiritually, you need to run with Christ and not kind of leave him behind. And that can, uh, I've, I've, I've found that, you know, in my 20 whatever years as a, as a Christian, that it can so easily happen that we start with, with Christ and then we grasp some ambition or some idea or, or with zeal or with, uh, with good intentions start running and kind of outrun the one that we started the race with and, and lose the plot along the way. Um, sometimes we do need to run. We, sometimes we need to we, we need to run away from things in this life, like like uh, Joseph had to run away from Potiphar's wife when it was uh, was temptation when he was uh, tempted. Um, I don't know if you ever had to run away from something, but one of the things we need to run away from is is run away from danger, to run away from the things that that threaten our spiritual well being. Um, I remember I had to run away once. Uh, it was uh, I was working in Johannesburg in the in the early nineties, and that was at the time just before the elections in South Africa, when when, when South Africa was in transition from democracy to um, to the new from apartheid to to democracy. It was a very turbulent time, and I was working in the Johannesburg city centre at that time, and. The politics at that time was very complex. It was not just, it was a bit like a lot of the issues now where racism was, of course, a big issue. But it was more than that. There was a lot of ethnicism and tribal fighting and disagreements. And a lot of the politics was along tribal lines. Um, 
one of the big political parties was the the Inkata Freedom Party, which was represented mostly, with, which was mostly the Zulu tribe. And 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 they were literally fights in the streets, tribal fights with azagais and spears and shields between the Zulus and the Tosas uh, uh, and between different parties, uh, which was not racial at all, but ethnic. Um, kind of racism, ethnicism. And I went out one day for my lunch, uh, for lunch from the office, and I went for a walk. And as I, um, and I got my lunch, and as I walked back to the office, I, I came around the corner of a building. And as I came around the corner, I saw a whole impi, which is like a, like a, a, a platoon of soldiers, a group of probably about a hundred uh, Zulu warriors dressed up in their traditional Zulu clothes, in their fighting clothes, with their spears and assegais and, um, and, and, and pangas and swords. And they were dancing and chanting and singing, advancing down the street in my direction. And I just thought, oh, this is, tr this is trouble. <laughs> this is, uh, and of course, what you do, well, what what most people would do, I assume what I did, I turned around and said, I need to run. And I turned around and I went back the way I came. And as I went around the, the corner that I came from of the building, down that street came another group of Corsas, dressed in their, a different tribe, dressed in their traditional clothes with their weapons and their assegais and their spears and the pangas. And I was caught between these two fighting parties coming down different streets and I'm like, do I go around that corner? Do I go around that corner? And the only thought that came into my mind was run, just run away. And where do you run? And so I was like, and where do I go? I look around and I thought, okay, there's another side street. And I found an alleyway and around, I ran down the alleyway. I didn't even look back to see, and I got to the end of it and it took me to a clearing on the other side, another block away. And, and I, and I got away safe and fine. And, um, but sometimes we, we need to run away from things um, and, and not run after things that, that, that can harm us. Um, in, uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah talks about, he, he says, woe to those who, who rise and run after their drinks. And uh, he's clearly not talking about a, a runner who runs a marathon and grabs an energy aid. Um, because he says, yeah, those who stay up late until st still up late at night until they are inflamed with wine. Um, the, the, the things of the world are the things that we should be running away from rather than towards. Uh, the ways not to run in Luke, <clears throat> Jesus told his disciples, um, he says, you know, he talks about, he said, there will be many people, many false prophets that try and call you and draw you after them. And, and people will say, here's the Messiah, there's the Messiah. And then he says, people will tell you, there he is, here he is, do not go running after them. Um, so when we run, we should not be running after uh, the temptations of this world. We should not be running after even the religious ideas and false prophets that takes us away from running with Christ. Um, <clears throat> and then the third thing that we should be uh, um, not be running after is in Matthew. When 
Jesus talks about the importance of the kingdom and, and about worrying and the concerns of this life. And in Matthew 6, verse 31, Jesus says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. When we run with Christ, it's a spiritual race. And what Jesus is talking about here is, you know, what are, what are the pagans running after? They, it is those who are of a, of a worldly mindset. And sometimes we get trapped in that as well, that uh, we run after the things of this world. And even things that we think, but what's wrong with that? Because they're just the basics, you know, it's just, it's food and drink and the things that sustain me and, and keep me alive. And, and what shall we wear? And what's wrong with that? But it's, it's a mindset that Jesus says, what are we really running after? And not to be running after the material things of this world. If we think about it, uh, we've been in lockdown. I, I've stopped counting for how long we've been in lockdown, but it's probably been two months or something. April, May, heading towards three months. All the shops have been closed. And before this time, if you would go to the high street or into shopping center here in Watford on any given Saturday, the shops will be filled. It will be full of people shopping for clothes and other things and i think so many people have come to the realization in this time that wow we've saved a lot of money there's actually a lot of things that i don't actually need that i can do without um and and, and it's so easy to just fall into these habits and, and, and go with the world and run after the things that, uh, that the world runs after um and and just be part of the crowd so three ways not to run is not to run after the temptations of this world uh, not to run after uh, false religions and teachings and not to run after the things and the material things of this world but there is also a way to run in fact i want to talk about three ways that we should be running and that is with purpose, with perseverance, and with a promise. To run with purpose. Um, in the Psalms, David says, I run in the path of your commands. He talks about there's a purpose in our spiritual running. Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, there's a paul uses the whole idea of of running and whether you like running or you hate running um or you're neutral about it uh it's helpful to even people who don't like running sometimes like watching the olympics and they would follow running it's interesting when i was younger uh, i hated running uh in fact when i um at school when i was in the rugby team and uh, part of the rugby training on Mondays was fitness training. And 
fitness training was a long run for the whole team together. And it was also part of recovery. So Monday was a was running day for the for the rugby team. And I actually went and I joined the choir because they practiced on Mondays. So I could tell my rugby coach, sorry, I can't go running uh, on Monday because I've got choir practice. <laughs> and I definitely loved rugby more than choir. But and if you if you've heard me singing, I was definitely no asset. Or, uh, or benefit to the choir. Uh, um, not that I was such a great rugby player, but I was definitely more of a benefit to the rugby team than to the choir team. But that's how much I hated rugby. Uh, how much I hated the running. But even though I didn't like running, I loved watching uh, the Olympics and watching people run in the Olympics. And I and I loved watching marathons and 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 the and the whole. Uh, strategy behind running a marathon and uh, the perseverance and how people run with purpose. And Paul uses this, I, this picture in 1 Corinthians 9 of someone who's running, as EVA said, someone who's running for a prize. He says in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Paul calls us here to run with purpose. And the spiritual marathon, the spiritual race that we are in, it is really a marathon. But for us to, to really be able to finish this and, and to, to make sense of why we're running is we need to remember the purpose of our race. Mm. Uh, we need to remember why are we running this race. Um, without that purpose, it can become discouraging. It can become, uh, it can wear us out. Uh, we can even lose the way. Uh, Paul talks about the, the race that is marked out for us. God has already given us the route that we need to run. He's established the route. But if we don't have that purpose in mind, then we can easily leave Christ behind in the race. We can start running our own race. We can go off track and, and run a different route. Um, we can run too fast. We can run too slow. The purpose that, that Paul reminds us of here is, is that uh, what we're running for is not even something on this earth. It's not to gain anything on this earth. Uh, it is to gain a crown, but it's an eternal crown that we are running for. And, when the race gets tough, as it from, at, from time to time does get tough, and some of us feel that, and, and like even Joe shared about, oh, he's had a quite a bit of a challenging week. The race is a bit tough for him at the moment. Um, we keep going when we remember the purpose of why we are running this race. So we need to run with purpose. We also need to run with perseverance. Now, here's a quiz question for you. Um, 
the London, London Marathon, uh, maybe most of us have heard of it, I don't know, uh, but it is quite well known in London. Uh, who knows how old the oldest person is who finished the London Marathon? Any ideas? And if you don't know, then you can take a guess. So I've got 96, says Danny. Anita says over 80. So you're both kind of warm. Dan Danny is very close. Um, I've got 104, Danny. <laughs> you're very ambitious. Is that your goal? <laughs> Someone else typed that. Maybe it wasn't Danny. Um, Simon Palmer is he's very hot. He's on 95. Yes. Leon says 101. Um, 93 says Liesl. Okay. So between Simon and Liesl, they've surrounded the magic number of 94. Uh, his name was, uh, I forgot his name now, Fujai, Fujai Singh. In 2004, he was 93 years old, oh, no, sorry, 94 years old, and he finished the London Marathon. Um, that, is, uh, that is remarkable to think that at that age, you can actually run a marathon. And those of you who hate running or don't like running think like, what? I can't even run around the block. Uh, but I think there's, a, there's an amazing lesson there of perseverance. Uh, he didn't necessarily win it. He didn't finish in the top 10, but he finished it. And he finished it at a, at a very ripe old age. And in the same way, we need to, we are called to run with perseverance. And the Christian race is, it's not a sprint. It's not a hundred meter sprint. It is a marathon. And, and it could be a very long marathon. And if we don't have that mindset of, okay, we're running with perseverance, then it will become very hard. In, um, in Galatians, Paul says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Part of perseverance is to stay the course and not allow things to, to cut in on us um, and, and to disrupt our, our race, uh, whether it is discouragement, whether it is tiredness and weariness, uh, whether it is uh, distractions, uh, we need to be aware of things that can cut in on us and disrupt our race. There was a famous South African marathon runner uh, called Zola Bud. Uh, this was in the 80s and 90s. And she was famous because she ran barefoot. And the most famous race actually that she was in, that many people remember her for, is not the race that she won, even though she won many, she broke many records. But many people remember her for the race in the Olympics where she and an American runner called Mary Decker, if I remember correctly, had an interaction, an altercation and uh, they connected somehow, there's an accident, and Mary Decker fell and fell out of the race. And, and she, she cut her leg and she, she got up and she tried to finish, but she, she completed. And she was one of the favorites to win it. <clears throat> now, there was a lot of debate of who cut in on who and who disrupted whose race. And both of them were running a good race. But one of them didn't finish and didn't win the race because 
the, she allowed uh, the cutting in to disrupt her race and she gave up. And she ended up in tears for her. And Paul says, if you're running a good race, don't allow anything to cut in on your race to disrupt it. We need to run with perseverance and, and not give up. Um, in, in Hebrews, it says, we need to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then thirdly, we need to run with a promise. Um, in Isaiah 40, verse 31, this is a very well-known scripture. It's, it's a very encouraging scripture. Isaiah writes, he says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So whether you're a runner or a walker, there's encouragement for both of us here. Whether you run or you walk, it says, if you run, you will not grow weary. And if you walk, you will not be faint. Um, we are called to, to run with perseverance, but also God acknowledges and he knows that uh, we cannot do this on our own, that we will need strength, we will need encouragement. Now, if you're a runner um, and you do run, or even if you walk long distances, there's a big difference between running on your own and running with someone else. And I sometimes run, and, uh, and I've noticed that my running is a lot easier when I'm running with someone. I go running with my daughter sometimes, and, and sometimes I don't feel like running. And sometimes I kind of I stop and I walk and I run and I walk and I run. But when I run with her, there's just some kind of energy that, that, uh, that I get from that, from not running alone. And the amazing promise of God is that if we run with his promise, then we can run and not grow weary. And we can walk and not be faint. So let us run with purpose. Let us run with perseverance. And let us run with holding on to the promise. And let us run with Christ. Uh, as John says in the beginning, um, a dire warning. If you run ahead and you don't continue in the teaching of, of Christ, then you will lose God. And if you, if you lose God, then it means you're running on your own. And if you're running on your own, then it's very hard to persevere. Then you won't find the strength and the, uh, the encouragement that we need. So let's run with, pur with purpose, let's run with perseverance, and let's hold on to the promise when we run. We're going to have a communion now, so if you want to uh, grab your, your, uh, your bread or your crackers or biscuit and, and some fruit of the vine. When we have communion, Usually we think of the communion as celebration, maybe. Because mostly we are focused on the message of forgiveness, uh, the message of forgiveness of sins. And, and rightly so, that is a 
core part of the crucifixion and and the story of the cross and uh, and we celebrate that we celebrate the forgiveness we celebrate the the sense of of remembrance of gratitude um that we that we have in the in the forgiveness of sins that we receive on the cross but there's a, also a slightly different perspective on the cross and the communion which we don't often reflect on and if we go back to our our passage here in second john where it starts off in verse 7 john says i say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge jesus christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for but that you may be rewarded fully there's two things to note here first of all that you know we may lose some of our reward that we worked for as opposed to a, a gift that is unearned and the cross is primarily a message of grace and an unearned gift but there's also a bit to it that is a cross that needs to motivate us to good works and he says don't lose what you have worked for so that you may be rewarded fully it's like in, it's like well you know there's a there's a bit from the cross that's yes the grace is core of the cross but it needs to result in some some action from our side and though the grace is a gift the reward is earned and part of what he talks about here he says you know watch out for those who don't acknowledge christ as coming in the flesh those who who think who says that well jesus he wasn't really real it's a it's a myth or jesus you know he was a good person but he wasn't really god in the flesh and what john says here is that acknowledging and witnessing to the complete humanity of jesus is vitally important and i, I say vitally in the literal strictest sense where vita vita the root latin word is life it is a matter of life and death that when we take communion we also proclaim who christ was that he came in the flesh as a as, as god in a human body not just as some spirit not a a myth not just as a nice person and in first corinthians 11 verse 26 paul links this whole idea with the communion when he says for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes so the communion is a celebration of forgiveness but it is also a proclamation and john says this in in the beginning of john in the very first chapter of the gospel of john and also in his first letter in first john 1 verse 1 he says we have seen with our eyes we have looked at and our hands have touched this we proclaim he proclaims he starts off his letter says we proclaim that jesus was god in the flesh and he was as human as we are in the very beginning in acts 4 
when Peter and John were preaching in the temple and they caused trouble by their message and they were thrown in the prison, we read that what was the message? It says they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So for a slightly different angle, when we have the communion today, instead of us focusing on the celebration, let us reflect on on the proclamation today, what we proclaim when we have the bread and the wine is that we proclaim to the world the reality and the humanity of Jesus. Uh, we proclaim his death, we proclaim his resurrection, and by consequence, the hope we have in our own resurrection to eternal life. And when people see us having, maybe they visit our, our, our meeting and, and they join us and, uh, and they see, what is this bread and wine that we have? Part of that message is to proclaim to the world and those who see us having this meal that, uh, yes, we proclaim forgiveness, but we also proclaim that there's life after this life. We proclaim our own resurrection through the res resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as we have this, uh, um, this bread, let's reflect on the body of Christ that was broken on the, body, on, on the cross, but was also resurrected to new life. And as we have the fruit of the vine, let's reflect on his blood that was poured out uh, so that, yes, we can be forgiven, but that we can also be reconciled so that we can have this eternal life with Christ in God in heaven one day. Let's pray for the bread and wine. Dear God, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the promise of eternal life and a resurrection for us too, God. Father, thank you that we can run this race, not just focused on this life and doing this uh, well in this life and achieving something in this life, but that uh, as our bodies grow older and wearier and tired, that uh, we can be energized by looking forward to the crown that we will receive one day in heaven with you, God. Father, thank you that your son died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, but also to, to be the first one to be resurrected to a new life, and that we can proclaim that uh, to the world, Father, that there is life after this life, God, uh, a hope of eternal life, God. Father, thank you for forgiving our sins, so that we can be reconciled to you. Please bless this bread in our bodies and this fruit of the wine in our bodies. In Jesus' name. Amen.